talk to you for a few moments today as the Lord will help us and uh, give us um, his anointing as we move forward. I want to talk to you on this subject, the blessing of emptiness. The blessing of emptiness. I'm going to ask you a few questions to get started here. And um, I'm trying, I'm going to say this, this is one of those things I'll probably get in trouble later with, but it's okay. I don't know where we have to have a text to preach. So it's one of those things now, I'm trying so hard to step on some traditions that I'm like, I'm not starting off with a text. I may go back there one day. Right now, I'm not doing it. Because I want to just get rid of all that tradition as much as we can. And Brother brother Bishop Wright, he made the best point. It was awesome. And I don't want to say this as it may offend somebody here today, but I don't want to offend you. I wanted to get you to think. We stand for the reading of the word the first time, but we never stand every time it's read. So we honor the word the first time, but if it's read again. Good thing is, if Bishop Wright was saying, we'd stand the entire time. I'm not saying we need to stand. So just some things, I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just being ornery lately. So I am starting, even though I have not read his text. Let me ask you a few questions here to get started with the title, "Blessing: The Blessing of Emptiness. Have you ever felt like you've run out of time in your life? Have you ever felt like you've run out of options? Have you ever felt like you've run out of resources? Have you ever felt like you've just had an emptiness inside of you? Or have you ever been in a moment of desperation? I've used this illustration before, and some of you have heard this before, but I think it's such a beautiful um, description of where we need to get to in our desire for God. There was a young man that approached the great philosopher Socrates, and he asked Socrates, he said, can, can you help me? And Socrates says, what, what would you like? And the, the young man said to him, I would like knowledge. And Socrates said, okay, I'll give you, I'll, uh, knowledge is what you want, come with me. He took the boy by the hand, began to lead the boy down the street to the city, towards the sea. They stepped out on, they waded into the water and got to the water as about, up to their chest. He asked the boy again, he said, what did you like? What would you like? The boy said, I want knowledge. Socrates put his hands on the boy's shoulder and pushed him under the water and held them there. He held them there for about 30, 40 seconds, let go, and the boy leaped out of the water, a big grasp of breath, and Socrates said to him, what do you want? And the boy said, knowledge. He pushed them back under the water, held them there a little longer this time. When he popped back out of the water, he said, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom. Socrates grabbed them by the hand, grabbed them by the shoulder, pushed them underneath. This time he held them for almost a minute. Finally, the boy let go. The boy jumped out of the water. He said, what do you want? He said, I just want air. And he looked at the young man and said, when you want knowledge as much as you want air, then I'll be willing to teach you. You see, God will position you in your life to the point where you become so desperate for him that nothing in this world will satisfy. And you'll get to the point, as we sang just a few minutes ago, that you'll understand that Jesus is the only cup that won't run dry. And God will take you in paths and in journeys, and he will bring you to a place where you'll understand That he and he alone is the only thing that should matter. 
that what you think you want really is not what you need because when you get what you think you want, you realize it doesn't really satisfy you because it's on to something else. You get the latest and greatest phone, and, and, and I've, I've got the latest phone here. We had, it was opportunity, my wife and I, on the plan that we were on with Horizon, we had an option when the new iPhone 10 came out, we could upgrade to the iPhone 10 and for the same what we were, we were doing with the other phones. So we upgraded. And you know what? It's the latest and greatest, but guess what? Probably in spring or next fall, guess what? They're coming out with another phone. And now I have to make an option. This is no longer the latest and greatest. So now it's old, even though I just got it. But you understand that when God puts you in a place where desperation, that's all you want, and all you want is Him, that becomes the greatest moment of blessing in your life. I want to draw your attention to a story in the Bible, very, very familiar passage of Scripture that most of us have heard the story if you've been at church at all, come to any kind of church at all, any denomination, you've probably heard this story mentioned or read from or spoken from in some way. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4 in verse number 1. It says this, a certain woman of the wise, notice this, anytime the Bible says not just a woman, but a certain woman. Notice that. I, I, just give me a second here because that's important for us to see. It did not say there was a woman. Generic. There was a certain woman. We'll get to in a minute who that certain woman was. But there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elijah saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set it aside for the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. She poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And, she, and he said to her, this is not another, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The Bible mentions there in verse number one who this certain woman was. When we look at this story, we look at this, the fact that she was having to sell, potentially sell her children to pay off her debt. And the Bible explains to us that there was a, a law by which you could, you could sell your child to the creditor. They would be a slave for six years and they would be set free on the seventh year. And in order to pay off the debt because she had no money, she was contemplating that the only option left that she had was to sell one of her children. I know it was a different time. I know it was a different ideology. I know it was a different culture. But I got to believe that even in a different time, a different place, in a different culture, she still had the heart of a mother. 
I cannot imagine my wife, the mother of my three beautiful kids, or any woman in here that has gone through the process of raising a child or is in the process of raising a child that have to be faced with the option of having to sell that child to pay off a debt. That the thought is, and if you do any kind of the research and study to find that this actually sadly still happens in the world today. This is not just something that takes place thousands of years ago in a biblical culture, but even nowadays in certain places around this world, children are still being sold to pay debts. And so this mother was at the point that she was having to contemplate selling off her child. To pay off her debt. Now we look at that and oftentimes when we think of debt, we think of the debt has brought us into choices that we made. Spent too much money at Christmas, bought a house we shouldn't have bought, bought a car we shouldn't have afforded. We just wanted that jacket, we wanted those shoes, we wanted that purse, we wanted this, we wanted that. We understand that debt sometimes we get into is by our own choices. But the Bible says that this was a certain woman. So it means to tell, it says to me when it says a certain woman, that the Bible sort of wants us to find out really who this woman is. Because who she is may give us more insight of why she was the woman she was. And when you do a little digging and you go through some Jewish history, you find that she was actually more than just a woman, but she was a certain woman, that she was the widow of the man Obadiah. Obadiah had hidden a hundred prophets in two caves and protected them during the length of time in the period of Jezebel, when Jezebel was introducing worship to Baal, that Obadiah had actually taken the prophets of God and hid them in a cave for protection. This was a godly man. This was a man that was doing a godly thing. And in the process of trying to take care of these prophets, he started to run out of money. And so he borrowed money to feed these hundred prophets. He didn't borrow money because he wanted a bigger tent. He didn't borrow money because he wanted the latest chariot. He didn't borrow money because he wanted the latest equipment to feed his, his flock. He borrowed money because he was trying to do the work of God. Now you've got to be honest with you. This is my mentality sometimes. And I guarantee you for some of you in this room, this is your mentality. God, I was trying to do my best to do what you wanted me to do. And how did I end up here? It's one thing if she got frustrated and she got mad and say, God, you left me with a lousy husband. He sat around all day and watched TV and didn't go out and work and he just racked up the bills and now I'm here and he's dead and I've got these boys to raise and I've got no food and I owe all this money and God help me. But it's another thing when you're in a situation where you're trying to do what God wanted you to do and you find yourself in a bad spot. I don't know if she said this, but i got to be honest with you, brethren. If I was in her situation, I would have been frustrated with God because, God, how can you let us get to where we are? 
How can you let me be where I'm at today, God? How can you let me? I've been coming to church faithfully. I've been trying to give. I've been trying to give my time. I've been trying to live an upright life. And God, here I am today. And I'm at a place that I feel empty. My husband, God, he was protecting your servants. He was protecting your prophets. He borrowed money. To give them food. And here I am to suffer because he was trying to do the work of God. And when the, when the creditor died, it was passed on to his son. And the son wasn't quite as easy as the father. And so the son called in the loan. And that's when she found herself, when Elisha found her. Elisha finds her at this moment of crisis. But in this moment of crisis, we can begin to see that there's a blessing in emptiness. And I'm talking about emptiness, not just simply for those of you that are here for the first time and your life is empty. But I'm talking about some some precious children of God that are here today. And yes, you've experienced the baptism of Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But really, you're in a place and time in your life that you're going through an empty phase. But can I tell you, there is a blessing in emptiness. There is a blessing in emptiness. And even though she did not see it there at that moment of time, and if you would have walked up to her and she would have been in that place of struggle and that place of frustration, she may not have seen it. But what I see on the other side, and I don't see it when I'm going through it, God has a purpose in what I'm going through. But I want to pull out three things today that I find that happened in this story that I believe can help us today. There are three things that jump out to me in this passage of Scripture. And I want to look at all three of those things because it will show us more about where she was, but it will also help us where we are at. The first thing we find is, number one, we've got to realize what we've got. We've got to realize what we got. Go to verse number two, if you would. Verse number two says this. And Elisha said unto you, what shall I do to you? And he says to her, what do you have in your house? You see, we get so caught up sometimes on what we don't have that we don't look at what we do have. Moses stood before the burning bush as God spoke and God asked him, what do you have in your hand? God had already given him a tool of deliverance, but he didn't even recognize what he had. Sometimes you've got to realize what you've got. You've got to realize you've got what you need right now already. That you don't need to ask God for anymore. He's already given to you what you've got, but you've got to use what you've got. The Bible says that all you've got to do is have the faith the size of a mustard seed. And you can say to a mountain, be removed and cast into a sea. But we spend so much time, Lord, give me faith, give me faith. And he's saying, you've already got faith, but you've got to use the faith you got. You've got to realize what you've got. Because he said to her, what do you have in the house? And I imagine in her mind, her first reaction was... Ah, genius, I've got nothing in my house. 
I wouldn't be standing here talking to you if I had something in my house. But somewhere in her mind, she was meaning it as a doubting thing. But he's realized what you think you have, what you think you don't have is actually what you need because she threw it out there. Well, you know, I don't have anything. But Well, I guess I got this, this, this thing of oil. I got this little bit of oil. Fully expecting, in my mind, fully expecting him to say, Oh, I am so sorry. That's all you've got? I'm so sorry for you today. That's all you've got. You only had that. I imagine that's in her mind. That's what she's expecting. She's expecting him to say, Boy, you really are. Did, boy, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's all you've got? Uh, God knew what she had. God already knew that's all she had. And he asked her, what do you have? She said it. You know what? Sometimes you can doubt your way to a miracle. I wish to say every miracle I ever got, everything I ever got, got, I was full of faith. Sometimes I did it and I said, well, I'm just going to try it anyways. It wasn't faith. It was just because I just threw it out there and God and his mercy and his love. I gotta be honest with you. There have been times where I wish I'd have said, you know what? I'm coming down today and I'm gonna, I believe God's gonna do it. Praise God. Today, God, you're gonna do it. I believe it. There's sometimes I've come down just saying, well, let's just at least get my five minutes in here. Don't act like you've never done that. You know it's the truth. To me, that's where she was. She didn't say, what do you have in your L? Hey! Brother Elijah, guess what I have today? I got a cruise of oil. I'm blessed and highly favored. Look what I got. I'm on my way. God's in control. I've got my cruise of oil. She said, all I got is this cruise of oil. Notice, he didn't say to her, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the store. Scrounge up all you can. Go borrow from your mother. Go borrow from your sister. Go borrow from your brother. Get what you can. Go down there and buy some oil. Go down and get some stuff. He didn't say that to her. Once he recognized that she finally realized she has something. Some of you today, you feel like, I don't know if I, what I've got. I don't know if I have anything. You've got it, but you've got to realize what you've got. Notice when David went to face Goliath. King Saul said to David, here, I'm, I'm worried about your hell. Try this armor on. And so David, this young, this young teenager, freckled-faced teenager, he puts on this heavy armor, and he's trying to move around, and he's like, this ain't going to cut it. He gives it back to Saul. Saul looks at him like, what are you doing? Have you seen that dude? And have you seen you? You need a full armor, full body suit. He's going to kill you. And David looks at him and says, you know what? I can't use this because I haven't proven it. Even though it looked better than what he had, he couldn't use it because he hasn't proven it. I can't use your faith to get my blessing. I got to use what I have. And the Bible says, guess what old David did? He put what he needed or what we thought he needed down, walks over to the brook, picks up five stones, five stones to face a nine-foot-tall dude. And he picked up a sling. Armor versus a sling. 
But David understood the power of what he had. Because this is another story for another day. But you know what the power of what David had is? He proved, he had proven what he had. Because you know what? Somewhere for David's birthday, I don't know if it was a birthday present, I don't know if it was a Christmas present, I don't know where somewhere along the line, I don't know if he made it, bought it at Walmart, bought it at Dick's, I don't know where he does. What's that? Bass Pro Shop. Maybe they sell slings. Somewhere along the line, David got a sling. And I've, all, I've said this before, I've often thought this, because let's be honest, we all want to pick up a sling for the first time and look like we know what we're doing. Watch me now, behind the back, through the legs, switch hands. I would imagine one day David came home with two black eyes, and his dad or his brother said, what happened to you? You don't want to know. Seriously, what happened to you? Why do you got two black eyes? You don't want to know. Tell us, David, what happened. I bought a sling. And how does that equate the two black eyes? Well, I was trying to figure out how to use it. Right there in the eye. You knew it happened. You know it had to happen. But somewhere along the line, he didn't do it the perfect. And I imagine somewhere along after lunch one day, he took some Coke cans. I don't know, Coke, Diet Coke gives you a Diet Pepsi. Maybe he's a Pepsi guy. He lined them up on the little fence there. And I imagine he tried to, try to use those sling, try to hit that. He probably was trying to aim this way and shot it over there. He probably shot it this way. Have you ever seen some? I've, I've watched some people learning to play golf. If I'm playing golf and I'm trying to hit the ball this way, I've literally seen, I don't know how, I don't know how it's even physically possible. I've watched people learning to play golf to hit the ball backwards. No idea how that's possible. If you're swinging this way, how does the ball go that way? But it's possible. I imagine Dave was the same way. He's trying to hit that and throwing it all over the place. But you know what? Today's battles equals tomorrow's victories. Never forget that. If I can win the battle today, I can win the victory tomorrow. We want to win the victory before we face the battle. And I imagine it got to the point where David finally, finally got to the point where he could knock down one out of three Coke cans, two out of three Coke cans, three out of three Coke cans, five out of five Coke cans. And then he started getting trick shots behind the back, no look, blindfolded, everything he can, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. When he walked out to that giant, that wasn't the first time he grabbed that sling. We want to get to the giant and the sling, and God's got us in the pasture with the sheep because he's trying to teach us how we can get to the giant. We want to skip all the steps in between and get to the giant. But if you get to where God wants you to be before God wants you to be there, that giant's going to take your head off. This ain't in the message, but I'm preaching anyways. Stay where you are and learn what God's trying to teach you now because it's not throwaway and it's not just petty stuff because what you're learning today is going to help you get through what you're going through tomorrow. You've got to realize what you have. She had to realize what she had. Do you know as a child, a child is born with every chromosome, every single strand of DNA that that child needs? to be able to grow up, to become the person it is, it's built, to, built in you at birth. So you've got to realize what you've got. Second thing that she did, 
First thing she did, she realized what she had. Second thing she did, we find a little farther down. Verse number three, let's keep reading. Verse number three. And then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad, all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Bar not just a few. You know what that proved to me? That little verse, that little word there, we'll get to this in the very end, but just throw this out there one more time. That proved that the measure of her blessing was going to be how much she was willing to go out and collect. Don't bar just a few. Get as many as you want. But verse number four, this is what he said. And when thou art come in, thou shalt, what's those next three words? Read it with me together. Shut the door. Do you know what that kind of says to me a little bit is the first thing you're going to do is you got to eliminate what you what, realize what you got the second thing you've got to do is you got to eliminate the distractions you've got to shut some things out of your life if you're going to get what god has for you you've got to be able to shut some things out because you need to tell me neighbors are nosy you know they are that's why we built curtains Neighbors are nosy. And you mean to tell me when they walk by her house, she's got all of those vessels in her house. Someone wasn't going to call and say, what are you doing? What is she doing? Sometimes, you know what? You've got to do some things isolated. Shut the door. That's why God sometimes brings you on a path of loneliness. Oh, can I say this real quick? Again, it's not in the notes, but I'm going to speak it anyways. Is that God takes, sometimes he takes us on a path of loneliness. Not to punish us. But you know what? God has to isolate so he can demonstrate. Oh, I'm going to say that again. You missed it. Sometimes God has to isolate so that he can demonstrate. Look in scripture. Go back and read the gospels. Look how many times God pulled somebody away. That Jesus pulled somebody away to deal with them one-on-one to eliminate the distraction. When he went to, when he went to raise Jairus' daughter up, the Bible says he cleared the room. You know what? Sometimes you got to clear your room. Not maybe your physical room, but sometimes you need to get some people out of your life that aren't blessing you. Sometimes where you are is because of the people that you're listening to and the people you're surrounding to. I know I'm preaching, but I'm teaching for a second. If you want to know where you're going, look who you're associated with. I said this a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. The, I, the term is, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Sometimes you've got to shut the door to some stuff. You've got to shut the door to distractions. You've got to shut the door to doubt. You've got to shut the door to the influence of this world sometimes because I got to be honest with you what we're doing in here most people think is stupid kids don't say that at home they think what we're doing in here we're just a bunch of just nutcases we're in here on a Sunday morning it is four degrees outside four degrees outside in Jesus name I bind it my philosophy is if it is cold and ain't snowing, it needs to be 70 degrees. Cold is good as long as it's snowing. When that snow goes away, let's get this thing turned up. But it is four degrees out here. We're in here today. We're worshiping a God none of us have ever seen. Singing songs about somebody we've never met. 
And then on top of that, we got our eyes closed so we can focus on something we can't see. And then some of you around here, when your eyes are closed, you lift your hands and you're not even signaling a touchdown. You're just lifting them. Man, you're not even a football fan. And then when you do all that, you start having this stuff come out of your mouth of a language you supposedly don't know and you've never spoken, but it's somehow magically coming through you by this thing called the Holy Ghost. And oh, by the way, you were told that if you go into some water and have a name called over you, some dude that lived 2,000 years ago, that all your sins would be washed away. That's what the world says. But you know what? They've come too late to tell me what we're doing in here is crazy because I've experienced something. I may not be able to explain it. I may not be able to tell it. The Bible says the spiritual things to the carnal mind is foolishness. But I've experienced it. You know what it was like. You may not be able to tell it scientifically. You may not be able to quantify it. You may not be able to see it with your eyes, but you remember the day what it felt like when you stepped in that water and that water may have been a little chilly. It may have been a little smelly. It may have been a little nasty, but you got in that water. Some person said to you, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you remember what it felt like when you went in that water and when you came out you couldn't explain it you couldn't quantify it there was no science to it but when you came out of that water suddenly you're like wait a minute what happened what's in that water that's the thing that that's foolishness to the world but that's the power of what we're doing in here today. So sometimes you don't want you to do, you got to eliminate the distractions. You got to shut out the distractions. God had to send David off to a field so he could become a king. God had to send Joseph into a pit so he could become a prince. God had to bring blindness to Paul so he could make him into a a preacher of the gospel. God had to send John to an island so he could give a revelation. If God has isolated you, it's not to punish you, but it's to bless you. If you're frustrated today going, why have I felt like I'm being isolated? Why does it feel like God's cutting everything off? Why does it feel like I've got no friends and all that? That's not punishment, but that's God saying, I'm about to do something in your life, and I don't want any distractions. I don't want any mess. I don't want you to be pulled. I don't want people in your life taking you other way, because what I'm about to do is take you to a place they can't go, but if you would let me do it, I'll do it. Sometimes God does that voluntarily and sometimes it's involuntarily. Notice this. You got to eliminate the distractions. You got to empty out the house. Meaning you got to get empty. There's some things you got to eliminate, but there's some things in here you got to eliminate. There's some things in here. I don't care if you've been living for God for 30 years. Don't sit there and tell me you got nothing in your life you need to eliminate. You got to sometimes just let the Holy Ghost turn the light on you. 
And let the Holy Ghost illuminate things in you. And you can say, God, don't let there be anything in me that will keep me from getting to you, that would keep me from seeing you, finding you, and knowing you. So you got to realize what you got. you got to eliminate distractions. And the third thing she did that helps us today is you got to change the level of your expectation. Realize what you got. Eliminate the distractions and change the level of your expectations. Verse number five says this. She, so she went from him and shut the door. And her sons, and upon her and her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. Notice when did she begin to see God do the miracle? Before or after obedience? Because you know what? Let's be honest. Here's how I do it. This is probably how you do it sometimes. Okay, God, if what you're telling me to do is really the case, I'm gonna go out and find one vessel. Let's see if this works. I'm going to try one vessel. And if it works here, I'll go get more vessels. But see, in order for her to see God do a miracle in her life, she had to change the level of her expectations. And notice this. Her expectation led to obedience, and obedience led to action. Say it again. Expectation should lead to obedience, and obedience will lead to action. He said, do this. So you know what that proves? That before God does anything, it's got to start with me, not with him. That I'm not waiting for him, he's waiting for me. I gotta change me. It's gotta start with me. That old song that says, It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's gotta start with me. So she had to change her expectation. Because she changed her expectation, she was obedient to what God had asked her to do. And the obedience led to action. And ultimately, because of that, because of that, God began to work in her life. I wonder how many things God is waiting for you. Here's, here's, it's crazy. I've done it, you've done it. God gives us something. God speaks something in our life. But instead of being obedient to that and going to do that, we think about it, but then we keep asking more. Or then we go ask advice. And we keep asking advice till we find the person that's going to give us the answer we like. You know, got to be honest with you. I'm gonna, this might offend somebody. I'm almost done, but I'm going to offend somebody just for a minute. Not purposely, but I want to get you to think. It's like marriage counseling. Can't tell you how many times you talk to somebody about marriage only to find out they go down the street and talk to somebody else about marriage. And then somebody else about marriage. Why? Because they don't really want to change. They're just trying to find somebody that will take their side. And so the wife goes to her people and the husband goes to her pe- his people and they're trying to find out who we can get to be on our side. 
Well, it's not you, it's her. It's not, it's not you, it's him. Instead of finding that it's got to start with me. It's got to start with me. Change begins where? Change begins with me. Expectation leads to obedience, and her obedience led to action. And notice what she did. She did what the man of God told her to do. She went out and got the vessels, but notice what she did. She shut the door and brought the vessels and poured out. And the Bible says she poured out. She poured out. She poured out. She poured out. I I can only imagine that day. Chris, if you come. I can only imagine that day what it must have been like to look inside her house. I want you just for a moment just to picture what that must have been like. See all these different vessels, every vessel. All kinds of different shapes and sizes. He didn't call out for a specific vessel. He said, go get any vessel. Probably some empty flower pots, some trash cans, some old unused wine, old used wine skins, anything. Anything. It must have been pretty wild to see this house filled with all this stuff. Second Timothy says that in a great house, there's many vessels. This is a great house. There are many vessels here today. But you know what? Yesterday's filling will only do so much for me today. And sometimes to stay full, you have to empty yourself. To stay full, sometimes you've got to empty yourself. I've used this illustration before, but please allow me again to use it one more time. Years ago, Chick-fil-A wasn't quite where it is now where there's one simulating on every corner. Years ago, there was only one Chick-fil-A around, and that happened to be at the Annapolis Mall there in the food court. That was the first one here in the area. They didn't have independence. They didn't have stores that were uh, independent. And so I enjoyed Chick-fil-A, still enjoyed Chick-fil-A, and um, um, went, would love to go out there and, and get, get food. But I don't know what it was. Maybe you, you were there. Maybe some of you went there and experienced it. But I don't know what it was about that Chick-fil-A. It seemed like they did more than anybody else. When you bought a drink, and Chick-fil-A, they then they get they give you some stuff. I mean, their their large is is decent, thirty something ounces probably. There was nothing more frustrating than getting your nuggets, getting your drink, sitting down ready to eat, and enjoy Chick Fil A nuggets. They I, they do make some good nuggets. Praise God. If you haven't said Amen about anything else, you at least say Amen about that. We're not the only ones that think that. My God, Chick-fil-A has the longest lines ever. I'm starting to realize, where are they getting all these birds at? 
mean, when they had one Chick-fil-A, I could understand. There's like 300 Chick-fil-A's. All of them sell 65,000 nuggets. That's a lot of chickens. I mean, sit down and have the little 12-nugget box and that drink. And that's back when I drank soda a lot. And, and boy, that just a good co- Chick-fil-A had some good. Not all Coke is made equal. I don't know what it is. All Coke is not equal. You're a good Coke drinker. I can tell you some places their Coke is better. I'm telling you. Route 50, going towards the Bay Bridge, there is a McDonald's and a Wendy's right there to the right. They have some serious Coke, and I'm telling you what. Woo, thank you. Hallelujah. I don't drink it a lot anymore, but if I'm going, baby, go big or go home. My goodness, it's good. Sometimes after, when you used to have Sunday night gatherings, my voice was sore. We'd go by there. Mm, come on now, Jesus, help me. So they had good Coke, and there was another one to sit down with those nuggets, and you had that Coke, and you just had that one nugget. Man, that's good, two nuggets, good. And then you've got to get that drink, and then three nuggets. And about the third drink, you hear the sound that you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that sound, especially when you paid that money and you got that big of a drink. You don't want to hear that sound. That... Like, are you kidding me? And they look around. Who drank it? Who drank my drink? No one, no one drank a drink. And then you do that inspection. You open it up and you're like, are you kidding me? I wanted a Coke and you gave me ice. And so something that was intended to hold 32 ounces holds about 10. Because ice is cheap. I didn't want to drink. I wanted Coke. I didn't want ice. And so you go back and you get 1,500 refills. But the easiest way was just to take the ice out. The more ice you take out, the more drink you'll get. Do you know why some of you, oh, praise God. Do you know why some of you come in here Sunday and you feel good and it's great, but by Monday, you're like, what happened? Because you got a container, but you got all kinds of stuff you put in it. And so God has only, you only given God just a small space. And he's God, and he loves us, and he's merciful, and he feels it. But when you get up Monday to take a drink, you hear that sound. You know what? You got to get empty. What is it in your life today? What is in your life today, my friend? We've said this now a number of times the last number of weeks. Last week, we said it last fall, one of the videos we did in the discussions in small group. What is in my life today that's keeping me from getting what God has for me? I can realize what I have, that God's blessed me, God's given me stuff, that's awesome. But if I've got to eliminate some distractions, I've got to eliminate some things in my life. I've got to get empty of some things so that I can then change the level of my expectation so that I can become obedient to what God's asked me to do so that obedience can bring action in my life. And when I put all that together, then God can begin to do things in me. To whatever point you are in your life today, whatever got you in the situation and circumstances you are, what is in your life today that you can eliminate 
to just get you one step farther. You know what? You might not take the giant leap of mankind today. You might just take a step. But what is there today in your life that today, today, they interviewed, I read this interview, and, and, and some of you know this name, so I don't like to use a lot of illustrations like this because a lot of, some, some know it, some don't. But there's a famous football player, Tom Brady, won five Super Bowls, considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Even non-sports fans can know the term Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is, is four, almost, I think he's 40 years old now, still playing football at a high level, which at 40 years old, that's, a, that's unheard of to play at that high of a level in a, in, a, in, a, in a sport that's so absolutely damaging to your body and guys can't walk when they're 30 and all this kind of stuff. And so when you start pulling back the layers, you find Tom Brady has made some serious sacrifices in his life and he has become very, very, very uh, um, um, stringent on what he eats and all this kind of stuff. I mean, his, his diet is just absolutely ridiculous how strict it is. And they talk to him about, and one of his enjoy, his most like treats is pistachio ice cream. Exactly. Now you may love, you might have a whole freezer full of pistachio ice cream. God bless you. But that's like his big deal. Pistachio ice cream. He loves it. It, But it's pistachio. But they ask him, how did you get to that? He said, you know what? I didn't start off the first day liking it. He said, you know what? I first started off looking at what I needed to get rid of before I looked at what I needed to add. You know why we're talking about all this discipleship stuff and what God wants to put in us? But I got to be honest with you. Some of you, you're not there yet because you've got to look at what you need to get rid of before God can put some new stuff in you. We can do discipleship. We can do unlocking the Bible. We can do all the next step stuff we talked about this morning. All that stuff is awesome. But I got to be honest with you. You don't have any room in you right now. You're filled up. We're asking for this and do that and time here. And you're like, I'm so busy. I don't know if I can do all this, what you're asking me, preacher. Look at what you can eliminate. What can you eliminate? What can you get empty of? Because you know what? There's a blessing in emptiness. There's a blessing in emptiness. And here's the blessing in emptiness. God won't leave you empty but God can't fill what's already filled so the thing you realize and become to understand that to be the blessing of emptiness is if I can get empty he's going to fill me but if I stay full he can't fill right where you are right now I want you to close your eyes just you and the Lord just in a private moment of you and Jesus I want you to take a moment and I want you to think with the help of the Holy Ghost. What can I eliminate today? Just just start with one thing. Don't think of 5,000 things. Just what can I, what God, ask the Lord. Just ask the Lord. You don't have to yell it. We don't need to know what you're talking about. But don't just think it in your mind. Ask God. Whisper it. Ask the Lord. Say, God, What can I eliminate that will get me one step closer to you? 
Ask him that today. Ask him. Ask him, what can I eliminate today? What can I eliminate? Here's what I want to do. For those of you that would be willing to do this today, just one of those things I like to do as and I'm done. I know it's 1230 and, 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 I, and, and I'm done. But here's what I'd like for you to do today as a sign, sort of that, that expectation, obedience, action thing. Now that we've sort of begun to let the Lord speak to us about something that we can eliminate. Here's what I want to do. We're going to, we're going to take that thing, whatever it is. And we're just going to bring it up to the front and we're going to just symbolically lay it down. We're just going to lay it down. It's a symbolic thing. You don't have to do it. That's okay. But those of you that want to do it, to be a part of this, is a symbolic thing. Say, God, I'm going to separate myself from this thing because I'm recognizing you're telling me that this thing is keeping me from getting what you want to give me. And I'm going to separate myself through obedience by taking this thing and symbolically laying it down so I can get one step closer to being empty so that then, God, you can fill me with you. That's your attitude today. I want you just to get out of your seat for just a moment. I want you to just come down here. Act like you're bringing something if you got to. Whatever it is, simple faith, childlike faith. But I want you to come, and I want you just to lay it down. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now and just begin to just let the Lord begin to touch you. Come on, this is a decision today. It may not be something you're going to feel, big wooing of emotion, but it's a decision you're making today. Obedience. Expectation. My expectation is I want to get closer to God. The obedience is I'm going to eliminate some things. And the action is I'm leaving here today because I want to be filled with you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just take a moment, you and the Lord. Just ask Him. Say, God, by your grace today, I can't do this on my own. Maybe something you are... Maybe something you laid down today, it was, it's tough for you to let go. But you say to the Lord, Lord, by your help and grace today, by your help and grace today, God, I want to walk one step closer to you. I want to walk one step closer to you. Hallelujah. Yes, come on. Come on. Realize what you've got today. You've got what in you, what God needs. He's already put it in you. Eliminate the distractions and change your expectations. Come on, those are the steps today. That's what we're doing here today. We're realizing, God, you've got stuff in me. You've already put it in me. Good God, I want to eliminate the distractions. And God, so I can raise my level of expectation. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What just stand, you're standing next to somebody, you're sitting next to somebody all over this place. Would you just take somebody by the hand, put your hand on their shoulder just for another moment here? Can we just pray one for another? Come on, all over this place. All over this place. Can we just pray one for another?